1: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I'm very excited to bring back a repeat guest, and that's Joey Coleman, who's going to talk about his book, Never Lose an Employee Again. The customer experience is very, very important, but it can only happen when there's a great employee experience. We're going to be talking about that and much more. Before we get into the interview, a couple of quick announcements. Let's talk about our sponsor, Text Expander. Thank you very much, Text Expander, for being a great sponsor. And for those that don't know who they are, it is a, an, it, well, let's say it's an incredible productivity tool. That's the best way to describe it, where if you type things again and again and again, like the same answers to questions that are asked, this is a great tool that will allow you with just a few little keystrokes to expand, hence, Text Expander into a text that's much bigger. For example, somebody calls and asks us, how do we reset a password for virtual training? We've got a standard answer. And then we tweak it a little bit and personalize it for the customer or the client that's called in. Our team is using it, loving it. All right, Uh, one more announcement before we get into the interview. And that is if you've got an amazing story you wanna share or question you wanna ask, reach out to me on any of the social channels. And if it is a question, use the hashtag Ask. Shep and i will answer it either there in the social channel on my newsletter which is the shepherd letter on this show or perhaps my tv show which is be amazing or go home and if you want to see episodes you can go to amazon prime apple uh apple tv roku and why not just go to beamazing.tv. that's beamazing.tv. you'll catch
0: episodes there all right it's time for interview joey welcome to the show Shep, thank you so much for having me. You know, I am such a fan of you, of your work, of the show, of your amazing listeners. It's a real treat and honor to be here. Well, and I'm, you know, it's
1: a mutual love, brother, because I first read your book, uh, Never Lose a Customer Again. Oh, actually, I don't know if you'd written the book yet, but I heard about the idea of the first 100 days. And I, I couldn't wait to see you in person. And you came to St. Louis. And you did this entrepreneurs organization event. And I was sitting in the office with my team and you go, and I know you. And it's like, we became instant friends. Uh, and I just admire your work so much, so much. You have a brand new book. It's, it's out. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to the episode, this episode, the day it comes out, this is the day the new book comes out. It just like never lose a customer again. This is never lose an employee again. And it is just a beautiful work. I believe that what happens on the inside of an organization is going to be felt on the outside of the organization. You need to treat people internally the way you want people outside treated. Uh, You know, you want your customers to keep coming back, right? Uh, Well, don't you want your employees to keep coming back every day, every, you know, every week, every month? It just seems to make such sense. You've written an incredible book Let's talk about it. Let's talk about,
0: first of all, that hundred days as it applies to employees. Yeah, no, I so appreciate the kind word, Shep. And it's interesting. But before I speak to that directly, one of the things that I know you get and you just explained it and, and that I get as well is that you can't ask people to deliver a remarkable customer experience. If you don't have remarkable employees to deliver that experience, that's what you're going to need. So these people that think, oh, well, customer experience and employee experience, they're two different silos. My friends, they're two sides of the same coin. We need to work on both. And you're absolutely right. The, hun- the first 100 days is the most important time in that entire relationship with an employee. Because this is where the foundation is going to be laid. This is where those impressions that are created early in the relationship are gonna stand the test of time. How we onboard them, how we make them feel part of our community is going to be the differentiator in whether they're a long-term employee or whether they're running out the back door as quickly as they come in the front. And you don't have to take my word in research for it. We looked at organizations around the world and we looked at research studies that have been done around the world. And what we found is that for hourly employees, over 50% of them quit before the 100-day anniversary. Wow. For non-hourly employees, it's a little bit better. It's more than 20%. So you're still losing double-digit employees in that crucial first 100 days, regardless of whether they're an hourly or a salaried employee.
1: You know, that's crazy. And I would imagine that some of those people leaving, it's because the employer wanted them to leave. But I'm going to say that a lot of times it's the employer's fault that they're leaving Uh, there. Here's what's happening. I, I believe that it's different today than it was 10 years ago. But I believe a lot of people today, if you hire somebody and they're working for a paycheck, you're going to lose them. You need
0: to get people to work for the company. That happens to give them a paycheck. Absolutely. If, if you know, and this is where, you know, an, another, and as you know, and I know you're a big fan of research and looking at the data as am I, so many leaders that I talk to, they're like, well, we're losing our employees because someone else paid them more. Here's the thing. I understand. I empathize with that emotional response and that feeling, but the data shows differently. Work Institute did some research. The typical research around why employees are leaving has a sample set of 300 to 500 survey respondents. Work Institute did a massive survey, a massive series of exit interview investigations. Two hundred and thirty four thousand thousand participants. Two hundred thirty four thousand participants. I mean, this is gigantic, unbelievable statistical So The relevance. margin of error is fairly small, <laughs> fairly small. And what they found is, yes people do leave for a bigger paycheck 9% of the time. Now, some people looked at that and said, see, Joey, I was right. I looked at it and said, what is the other 91% in terms of their reasoning and rationale? Why are those people leaving? And across the board, without a doubt, the number one cited reason representing almost 24% of the people that were departing, It was because they couldn't see a clear career path at their existing employer. They didn't know what was going to happen next, how they were going to be promoted, how they were going to get new responsibility, new opportunities. To your point, Shep, that's on the employer, not the employee. If you're not painting a clear path for your people, you're expecting them to manage and figure out their own career, then frankly, sorry, you kind of deserve to lose them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, so 24% and 9% add up to only 33%. What about the other two thirds of the people out there?
0: Oh my gosh. Lots of reasons. Let's look at the top four reasons. So reason number one, they left for because they couldn't see a clear career path. Mm -hmm. Reason number two, stress, lack of resources, lack of training, lack of empowerment. Same thing in those first 100 days. What are you doing to support them, to teach them, to train him, to get them up to speed? And the third biggest reason, keep in mind, fourth is the money. Third biggest reason was health and family needs, either their personal health or a loved one's health or a responsibility to care for kids or aging parents. So frankly, things that are kind of in some ways beyond our control as employers but what I think is interesting, Shep, is if you mentioned, you know, kind of how the workplace has evolved over the years. Remember kind of in the 80s and 90s when everybody started talking about having daycare available at work and a lot of companies rolled that out as an employee benefit. I think what we're going to see in the next decade is a lot of companies rolling out elder care as an employee benefit. Right. Because- bring
1: your bring your parents to work and we'll keep them busy while you're working. Well, water aerobics. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And in in, in some instance, it sounds a little crazy. But if we look at the number of people who are leaving the workforce to care for an aging parent who's either dealing with health issues, dementia, whatever it may be, or just is retired and somebody needs to keep an eye on mom and dad, It's a significant number that's only increasing as more baby boomers retire and more folks kind of move into their golden years. So I think if you want to be a strategically intelligent employer, you need to factor in what is going on in your employees' lives between 5 p.m. and 9 a.m. Pay as much uh, attention to that.
1: There's a quote in your book that references that exactly, that you need to know what's going on between 5 p.m. and 9 a.m. as much as you have interest in what's happening between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Exactly. Uh, Did I say that right? You did. You said it perfectly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's basically what are your people doing and dealing with when they're not at work? Right. Because important for for way too many years, employers expected our people to show up and give 110% during the workday and then go home and come back and do it again. And we would have employers say things like, um, this is work. That's personal. Keep that stuff at home. Don't bring that in. And it was unprofessional to bring it into the workplace. Yeah. And I understand. And I, and I empathize with and agree that there are certain things that if they're going on in your life, in your personal life, and you're bringing them to work and they're spilling over there, there may be a moment of unprofessionalism in there. And we need to address that. I don't disagree. But having empathy for your employee and what they're dealing with at home, if they've got a young child, a toddler that's impacting their ability to sleep, if they've got sick parents that are in the hospital that's impacting their ability to be present, if their spouse is going through a really tough time at their job and there's instability about whether or not they're going to be fired or not, that is a stress that is going to impact that employee's nine to five life. And as employers, it's our opportunity to look out for them to embrace that, to be empathetic of that, to create the psychological safety where they feel that they can share what's going on instead of needing to bifurcate their personal life from their professional life.
1: Right now, sharing what's going on is different than um, what's I I mean, I know we've had issues here in our company where certain employees just all they do is talk about their personal lives and all the problems they're having. And they're talking about it to everybody. How do you feel about that? Versus, should they be just talking like, "Hey, I'm your manager, your coach, your boss. Uh, I'm here to support you. I want you to do your best." We have a different relationship, uh, even though I am your boss. That relationship and the things you tell me—they're confidential. These aren't the kinds of things you might say when you're, you know, unless you become really close friends with somebody. We don't, we don't object to that, but you know, it's it's that person who. You know, like in our office, there's an area where there's a bunch of desks and cubicles and everybody sits out there and it surprises me. And I've had people tell me that person is so unprofessional to be talking about that.
0: But obviously, it's important to them. You know, yeah. I, I think, Shep, the answer is it depends. Right. It depends. And, and, and That's, and, that's and a here's good answer. The, here's the challenge. It depends. It depends on your culture. It depends on, frankly, often the age of your employees. Yeah. Yeah. Younger employees who have grown up digital natives, who their lives are on social media and online, and they're constantly sharing, they don't have the same professional boundaries as folks like you and I that have been around the block once or twice, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a different experience. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. What I'm saying is, as a leader, you have the opportunity to establish the culture in your organization to set the norms. And you can do that by leading by example and talking about things in your personal life that might impact how you show up in the workplace. But there's a fine line between that and just, hey, I come to work to spend all day complaining about what's going on with my spouse or my kids or my parents or whatever it may be. And I do think there's an opportunity to say to an employee, look, There's a time and place for that. We're not opposed to acknowledging that. And we want you to come and tell us if there's something that rises to the level of impacting your ability to be present and contribute here on the team. But we also want to get some things done. So let's go get excited about this. Let's go get excited about our mission, our vision, what we're trying to accomplish, the impact we're trying to create in the world. Yep. Well, the book is called Never Lose an Employee. Again, it is by Joey
1: Coleman. Yeah, you've got to get this book. Um, I know this. It's going to show up on my top ten list of the year as far as books go. Uh, Joey, you're you're a great author. You're a great business person. We're going to take a short break. We're going to go to uh, learn a little bit more about Text Expander, our sponsor. We'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go away. Let's talk about Text Expander, a tool that allows your team to eliminate repetitive typing with just a few keystrokes. Anything you type over and over, such as customer responses, will be at your team's fingertips so they have the power to do what they do best, just faster. Quickly reply to emails and chats from a library of responses that you create, completing answers to common questions and issues. Your entire team stays on the same page with the same common responses that can be personalized on the fly. And... It's simple to use. Type commonly used content into a text expander snippet and give it an abbreviation of just a few letters and symbols. Share the snippet with the team. When you type the abbreviation, it triggers a snippet and the content expands anywhere you type, including email, chat, or social media. It's that easy. Just go to www.textexpander.com to learn more about this amazing and productive tool. Sign up for a year and get 20% off. Your- listening to amazing business radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken. We're back on amazing business radio talking with Joey Coleman about his book, never lose an employee again.
0: Hey Shep, if I may, forgive me. I know we just heard from text expander. Can I just put a little shout out for your wonderful sponsors? Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. I have been a loyal text expander customer for many, many years, like at least five, probably closer to 10. I don't know. It's, it's such an intrinsic part of my business operation. I don't even know when the relationship started. You know how we have those great relationships where you're like, I don't remember what our first date was, but God, I love being in a relationship with you. It is such a powerful tool. If you haven't Explored it. I didn't even know, frankly, sorry, that they were going to be sponsoring this episode. But when I heard that uh, little snippet or that little promo, I thought I got to give them a shout out because when I am on a computer that is not my actual computer and I go to hit my little short key snippets that expand the text and it doesn't happen. Oh, my gosh. In that moment, do I realize the value text expander <laughs> provides in my life? I get so frustrated. I'm like, uh, get me back onto my devices where I can type and respond a lot quicker. So, amazing, amazing tool. Oh, thank to you. Exam. They're going to
1: love hearing that. I know we love it. Uh, our people use it as well. You know, we do a lot of customer support for virtual training programs, and we answer a lot of the same questions. How can I reset my password? That's like the number one question. Well, totally, you know? And so rather than type it out every time, boom, a couple of quick keystrokes in that snippet as they like to call it, it shows up. It's tweaked a little bit to customize it for whatever specifics that the client might be asking for it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. All right. Well, If I may, sorry, one more thing.
0: It's not only for that, you can use this person. I use it to be honest, and this is probably gonna be a reveal I shouldn't make publicly. I use it whenever anybody does a LinkedIn request to connect with me. I've got a little text expander response that says, thanks so much. I love that you reached out on LinkedIn to connect. I'm excited to be connected going forward. And then I have a little section where I just say personalize in the text expander. Mm -hmm. And then I put one sentence in about them. And then it has my signature typed into it. And if you'd like to learn more, check out this. And next thing I know, this person who's done just a random, like, hey, would you like to be connected on LinkedIn request? Feels like they've gotten a very customized, personalized response, which they have, but I'm able to do it so much faster because of this wonderful. That's the
1: beauty. There are some things that you will type out again and again, even if you're tweaking it and personalizing it on the front and back end of the message. And I think it's beautiful. And well, thanks, Joey. Text Expander is going to love this show even more because of you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. All right. I want to emphasize something that um, the Work Institute uh, that did this study, 234,000 interviews, exit interviews. Now, this is an important piece of it. We were talking about this really quickly at the break. You mentioned that they were third-party interviews which leads you to believe that the data is even more, uh, I guess, uh, concise, important, probably more accurate. Because if your boss asks you, hey, why are you leaving? Yeah. You know, most employees aren't going to say because you suck. That, that was exactly. your term.
0: Ex- exactly, chef. Yeah, forgive me. I, I was being a little more blunt uh, between yep. friends in the, in the uh, time when we weren't actually recording. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. And we see this in our own lives. If you're being pitched on something and you just don't think it's a good fit, what is the difference between saying, "Mm, you know what? I just don't see the value versus I'm sorry. That's just not in our budget. It's real easy to say it's price. It's real easy to say it's the money because we know the person probably isn't going to be able to counter that and push back. The same holds true for employees that are leaving. If the boss says, why are you leaving? Mm, They gave me a better offer. They're giving me more money. Because they know that that's something most organizations aren't going to be able to counter. It avoids them having to have the honest conversation about, it's actually because you're a terrible manager, or <laughs> I don't like my coworkers, or I don't believe in the vision of this company. And what Work Institute did, which was so beautiful, because they were a third party doing these exit interviews, they were more likely to get the truth, to get the real reason why someone was leaving. So, again, it's why I'm such a fan of their work in this research.
1: And only nine percent
0: say nine percent for money. So if you're thinking like, oh, you know, what are we supposed to do competing against these big tech companies that are just poaching our talent? It's only because they're giving them more money. No, they're giving them more of a future more perspective. Everybody that comes to
1: work here. Um, you know, I know like our graphics and video person and, and I know Zell who works on this show is going to hear this, but, um, I, and I love that she works with me and the way it works out. It's wonderful. She works from home. I have lost some of my best people because they get snagged up by larger agencies, promising that they will be a creative director. Now they're already a creative director here, but they're not leading a team of other creative people. And so the career path, and I get it. And legitimately, it's a good reason uh, for them to leave. And I even tell most of the people that are in this job, I think Zell will hopefully be here two or three or five years from now. But I tell people it will be within a year to two years that people start to notice you and they're gonna try to poach you to come and work for them. Uh, They're local agencies, they watch the people that I hire. And, and it's just, I know it's going to happen.
0: So just, you know, let me know when it's happening and, and they do. So. Shep, absolutely. You know, in fact, if I may, there is a case study that I have in the new book that speaks directly to this. It's by my good friend, Ron Tite, an amazing speaker and an amazing agency leader in his own right. And he has this conversation with employees when they first start. And he says, look, You're going to be here for a period of time in your career. He works in the agency world. If you know anything about the agency world, if you're somewhere more than four years, the problem is you, right? You should be thinking about building your Mm -hmm. career and thinking differently. And he makes the same uh, promise to them. He says, look, if you're thinking about leaving, if you're got an offer from someone else, come to me and tell me, and we'll have an honest conversation. And I share a couple stories in the book. When well, you get the somebody,
1: McKinsey story in there, which McKinsey story they're as so well. proud of their alumni. They're proud,
0: they're proud of, of the people that alumni. have left them. Absolutely, but here's the interesting thing that Ron Tite does at Church and State. He has somebody come in and they say, um, you know, I'm thinking that I, I've got this offer to go be an account manager over at this other agency. One time somebody came in and said, we've got this opportunity, and he said, hey, leave. Walk back out the door and come in in one minute. I'm like, okay. They walk back out the door. He came in and he's like, you're fired. Now go love that job. He's like, cause that's going to be an amazing job. And by the way, because I just fired you, you get severance by the way, we're going to take great care of you. I'm going to be supporting you, but I don't want any hesitation. That's an amazing opportunity for you. He had another employee come in and say, Hey, I've got the job to go be a creative director. As you were saying that very scenario. And he said, look, you don't want to do that. I know that agency. I know the founder. They're going to treat you terribly. I had no idea you wanted to be a creative director. Let's work together over the course of the next six to 18 months to develop your skills so that you could be a creative director. And then if there isn't an opportunity here, I will help you find a creative director position somewhere else. You just don't have the skills yet. They're not going to train you. There's going to be a problem. The employee said, I trust you, Ron. Amazing things happened. 12 months later, that other agency had gone under, and that employee was promoted to be the creative director at Church and State. Oh, so, so when came you back. pay it, so they, they were there. They never left. They oh, never they left. Never they were left. trained oh, oh, and they was, were built in so... and they stayed and they yeah. got the job because they had acquired the skill set. Lots of times our employees want the next position without understanding that they're not there yet. Yeah. And if we just say, oh, well, you need to be here longer, they're not going to stay. But if we say, hey, here are eight skills you need to succeed at this job, you have two of them. Let's work to develop an internal curriculum to help you get the other six. And then once you've done that, if you're not able to be the creative director here, we'll help you go be the creative director somewhere else because we'll know you have the skills that's investing in your people.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a, a case study that I have in my book, The Amazement Revolution. It's with the Baptist Health South. And Brian Keeley, who just retired, and I've mentioned him numerous times in this show. He's the CEO. He created uh, a term. I love it. It's called destination employment. He wants people to come there and never leave. He wants to make sure they have a fulfilling career, a path uh, that gives them opportunity to grow as they want to grow. And so the chapter I wrote was called FUN, F-U-N. Fulfillment is F uniqueness is you and N is next. Are they fulfilled at their job? Do we exploit them for unique talents that they can use in their job? So they feel like I'm getting to do something that I like, I love, I'm good at or whatever. And then N is next, what's next? What am I excited about, about this company? And by the way, it could be, I love my boss. I'm excited to come back the next day to go to work. It does, absolutely, but that's what we're talking about here. You know, you and I could go on and on about this. So here's what I wanna do. We don't have a lot of time, like two or three minutes. My final question, you know you've been on the show. it's gonna be what's the last thing you want to leave us with? But before I do that, you have eight uh I call them the eight a's uh that are in the book, and this is kind of a uh, a process more or less that you you take people through. Just hit on a couple of points in the next couple of minutes related to those uh
0: that the, I, I forget what we call them phases uh phases uh, yeah, yep, yeah exactly. phases, okay. Yes. Yeah, so I believe that there are eight phases to the employee journey. And the reason they all start with the letter A is because if you get all of them right, it's like getting straight A's on your report card from your employer. Oh, I love They it. Love Beautiful. you. They're giving you high marks. They think you're amazing. <laughs> I, have a, I have a thing with six D's. <laughs> I love it. There you so, go. I gotta yeah, so this to is figure eight out A's. different words. This is eight A's. So <laughs> let me highlight two of the eight A's okay. that are the two areas where most businesses are failing right now. They're just struggling right now. The first one is phase three in the process. Phase three in the process is the affirm stage. I know a lot of folks listening are big fans of customer service and customer experience. And so you're probably familiar with the concept buyer's remorse. I'd like to introduce you to a new concept you might not have heard or thought of before, which is new hire's remorse. It is the scientifically proven emotional reaction that a new employee begins to doubt the decision they just made to accept your job offer. So in that quiet period between when they accept the job offer and their first day on the job, they are doubting their choice. They could be thinking, oh, I should have negotiated for more money, a better benefits package. I should have waited because I was interviewing for three other jobs, but I hadn't heard back from them yet. So I had to accept this one. But oh, what if one of those other jobs would have been better? In the affirm stage, we need to reaffirm the employee's decision to accept our job offer. Most businesses do nothing in the affirm stage. There's no communication, no interaction. They say, hey, you've accepted the job offer. You're going to start four weeks from now. We'll see you then. And that's it. Don't let that quiet zone go without personal and emotional connection. Mm, Yep. The other phase where people fall off the rails is the acclimate phase, phase five. The acclimate phase starts on day two after the job starts. So the job starts on day one, your first day at work, day two of your second day at work, and it runs for weeks or months. In the acclimate phase, you need to remember to hold your employee's hand. So many employers say, well, Joey, we've got an orientation program, it's two days, and then they're off to the races. No, they're not off to the races, okay? They don't know your systems, they don't know your processes, they don't know their role, their requirements, their responsibilities, the relationships they're supposed to have with other people in your organization. Consider this, when acclimating your employees, the number of days you're willing to spend teaching them and showing them the ropes, and holding their hands is directly proportional to the number of months they will stay as an employee. The more you invest to showing them the ropes, the more excited they will be to stay with you long-term. If you're only going to spend a day bringing them on board, don't be surprised when they leave a hundred days later, you've got to spend more time acclimating. All right. That's huge. That's, that's a tweetable moment. What you just said
1: uh, there as far as, uh, You know, don't be surprised. Uh, I guess the direct relationship between number of days you spend bringing them on and number of days they stay, number of weeks, years they might stay. Correct. Correct result. You know, we have clients that believe that training and this is my my thing I've been saying for years. Training isn't something you did, it's something you do. And they have ongoing training, weekly training to keep people you know, focused and in alignment. And I think what you're talking about is when people come to work, we call this the cult of uncertainty. I hope it's a good job. I heard it's a good job. They seem to be nice when I interviewed. I really hope I like it here. And then immediately we start moving them into alignment with who we really are. And that could take weeks months even. And eventually the experience uh, becomes, uh, you You get it, you feel it. This is what I'm going to get when I come to work every day. And hopefully you'll like it. And if you do, you own the experience that's positive. And then, you know, I'm taking you through my cults of amazement or leading you up to amazing. So uncertainty to alignment, to experience, to ownership, and then finally amazing. Anyway, enough about that. Your book, Never Lose an Employee again. If you had one last thing you wanted to share with us, because we
0: are out of time, what would that be? Shep, I have talked to so many business owners and leaders around the world who have lamented to me, Joey, I wish my employees cared as much about the business as I do. Whenever I hear that, I first empathize with it because I've been that employer. I've felt that. I've maybe even said that more than I should. But what I respond with now is, you know, I understand that. But as an alternative point of view, your employees wish you cared as much about them as you do about the business. Mm. if you a, want another moment another tweetable moment <laughs> <laughs> not bad for a guy who isn't even on twitter i love I, it that's perfect, Well, you're Shepp. gonna be after today oh yeah we'll see i uh, let's not hold our. i'm breath, putting but, you on uh, there Shevel Shevel tag me and just know that i'm retweeting or liking or whatever you do yeah. and dan Gingus, our mutual friend will jump in and do the proper comments for me he'll be my proxy but here's the thing i know that employers do care about their employees. That's maybe a nice tweetable statement. I Mm -hmm. know that you care that way, but your employees don't. They might have heard you tell them that. But have you shown them that? Have you let them know just how much time you spend thinking about making payroll, advancing their careers, making sure people don't suffer burnout? They're not overworked or overburdened. Your employee probably has no idea of all the time and effort you're spending thinking about those things, share a little bit with them. Don't you know when it's, it's called show and tell in school for a reason. And the show is first, not the tell let's spend a little less time telling and a little more time showing. We'll be just fine.
1: Love it. Joey Coleman, you're a genius. Uh, again, the book never lose an employee again, highly, highly, highly recommended. You've gotten a feel for Joey's wisdom, his wit, uh, his, uh, Gosh, the research, the detail you put in this, some of the case studies, the companies that you referred to, it's all there. Thanks for being on the show, man.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Shep. And thanks to everybody who was kind enough to listen in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I enjoyed connecting with my buddy, Shep.
1: Yeah, it it was great. It's why we call it Amazing Business Radio. And you are amazing. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode, another interview, and we will be back next week. And I promise you, you're going to enjoy that interview just as much as Joey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Shep Eichen reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.